The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors, Nicole Deal and Mike Island, to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. So welcome back to the show, guys. Hey, glad to be here. Yes, indeed. Um, So a lot of things in the news this week, as per usual, um, but the first and foremost topic that we need to discuss is, of course, the congressional hearings on the January 6th insurrection. Nicole, why don't you start us off? Yeah, um, I think one of the things that stood out for me was most recent. um, I think this happened on Monday were just the parade of people basically talking about Donald Trump saying that the election was rigged and, um, you know, just a parade of people saying that they did not believe the election was rigged and uh, shared that belief with within President Donald Trump, who, um, of course, we all know, said that he never got that information. But and one of the things I think to note are a lot of the key players, uh, former Trump Attorney General Richard Burr said as soon as the uh, while the election was still going on on election night, Trump was already uh, crying out loud about election fraud. Yeah. Uh, Richard Donahue, uh, former acting deputy attorney general, you know, these are Republicans. <laughs> so um, I think it's safe to say that no one believed him early on. I definitely believed as a result of his actions, we had this huge uprising and uh, and basically a coup. And, and it's just, it's really sad. I think it's Trump's way of creating a bigger divide between Republicans and Democrats, just saying that it was rigged. Um, And it's the same old old Trump song. It's like, you know, sometimes it's R&B, sometimes it's hip hop. You know, next week it'll be opera. But it's basically I win, you lose, there's fraud, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think what happened this week was really important because um, it, it just demonstrates that he was not telling us the truth with some of the information that he was being given. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, considering that the, uh, 
arguments are strong enough. I don't know whether there'll be uh, calls. I know there are calls for prosecution of the leaders of the uh, insurrection, including those who are in the uh, highest echelons of government. But it, it seems like everyone slips through the cracks. It's like they're Teflon. So I'm not sure uh, going with your angle, uh, Nicole, I'm thinking about will there be any account of true accountability, you know, and, and it's critical for Congress to facilitate a thorough public reckoning with the uh, with the scope and severity of this attack. I look at the video. I, I watched that first night and I saw the videos that weren't widely released at first, maybe not released at all. And I just got chills. And I said, will there be any accountability for this? How will the investigation go? Sometimes I feel the January 6th committee is being played, you know, because of so many of the people who were called decided not to come. Well, I'm not going to show up. It's not a legitimate, legitimate committee. You know, I wish I could have done that on my last jury duty call to say, hey, no, it's not strong enough. I'm not going to show up. But uh, because of that, that's so widely rampant, it just seems like they're being played. And uh, my concern right now is, will there be at least any accountability? It doesn't matter which side of the fence you're on. You want to see accountability for any wrongful action and destroying a building in that manner, you know, especially, you know, the building, you know, it's 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 absolutely insane. Right, right. It's it's one of the pillars of our democracy here in this country. And keep in mind, you know, as all of these election fraud allegations were going forward, there were hundreds of interviews and investigations and um, but but those claims just could not be substantiated, you know. Um, and, and so I, I just think it's and, and wait, let me just back up and, and talk about the obvious, too, because let's just be real. These were mostly white Americans that were um, charging this building, hundreds. And so I just feel like if those had been <laughs> Black people, we would be sitting at a very different position today. We would have responded. Uh, law enforcement would have responded in a very different way. So uh, it's just a sign of the times. You know, there's uh, a piece of this that um, is also true to your point, Nicole. If President Obama had been the sitting president at the time that this had taken place, his culpability would have never come into question, you know, on either side of the aisle. I, I ran this thought experiment on my, my radio show, Civic Cipher, and asked my listeners of that show to really consider what this says to black people, because, you know, if you take a few steps back, it doesn't necessarily look like a black issue. And the point was on that uh, part of the show was to make it, to put it squarely in our laps. What was born out of that was the voter suppression initiatives that have now kind of put in jeopardy a lot of black voters' voices um, with respect to our democracy across the country. Um, dozens of states as a result of this man his ego and his, his lies, the mostly white Republican base and certainly the Trump supporters themselves got exactly what they wanted to believe, you know, rather than accept the loss, they can, they can accept a lie, right? I think a lot of people know in their hearts that after every single court in the land says there's nothing here after, you know, all of his Republican elected government officials and the, the investigations and so forth. You know, I, I'm based in Arizona. We had, a, you know, there was all eyes on us for a long time. They, they, they had the whole 
fairgrounds down here dedicated to recounting the election ballots. And they found the same thing is true and still wouldn't accept it. And th- that group that they hired to explore the voter fraud. Oh, was, the ninjas. Yeah. Yeah. The, the cyber ninjas. Cyber ninjas. Like that. Yeah. Um, they were here on the ground. We could drive right past them and see them working. And they were chosen by a Republican leadership to ensure that the the ballots were counted correctly and they came to the same exact conclusion. So any informed Republican could feel in their heart the reality of the situation. But, you know, with their former president and their champion kind of screaming their greatest hits, as you put it, you know, the election was stolen again. That's a little bit more digestible, in my opinion. And speaking of the the January 6th insurrection, you know, once everything was kind of laid out in the sequence of events, Mike, you, you alluded to this, that, you know, we were able to see what happened and, and sort of the timeline of all the things. And then a little bit later, we found out who said what, who advised the, the, the former president what to do. And, and it seemed like most of his inside circle encouraged him to accept that he lost the election. And rather than uh, take that advice, he leaned into the words of a, a, from what we now know to be a drunken or rather inebriated Mayor Giuliani, former Mayor Giuliani, um, who told him to just say that he won, despite even Fox News, the biggest champions of, you know, uh, the right wing uh, in this country. And, and of course, the biggest champions of Donald Trump, the people who gave him the, the, the easiest go in terms of media representation after even they had called the election in the favor of Joe Biden, that Giuliani encouraged him to just say he won the election, to say that there was fraud and to substantiate that claim or otherwise attempt to substantiate that claim at a later date. And l- later on, you know, in these hearings, we also found that if we're, if we're looking for fraud, that word, as it turns out, uh, there was a quarter of a billion dollars that was donated to this Donald Trump fraud investigation uh, company or whatever that was never actually spent on those things. Rather, it was funneled into other pockets, Trump pockets, if you will, you know, family members, uh, business enterprises, et cetera, um, but never really to, to mount a legal defense of their position, which was to suggest to the country that the election had been rigged or otherwise stolen from him. So there's the fraud. And, you know, the thing that I take from this uh, or have taken from it so far, rather, is that there is a willful ignorance from a lot of people, certainly from Trump supporters, uh, in in my opinion, in, in my estimation, based on what we now know to be facts. It is on record by the courts of the United States of America that these are the facts of the matter. There is a willful ignorance. There is a time and again that people will dismiss these facts and subscribe to this delusion or otherwise a separate detached reality from the one that we are all subscribing to. And this base of, of Trump supporters, come hell or high water, will go down with that ship. We'll keep singing those hits. We were It was stolen from us. Just like they're saying that the country is being stolen. You know, we did a segment on this show about the uh, great replacement theory. Um, These people have adopted a posture of all these bad things are happening to me. The world is against me. And and they have this sort of um, paranoid delusion. 
And that's very dangerous in, in, in a shared uh, manner because you have a sense of community and you never really snap out of that. You can just go and talk to people who share the same desire <laughs> for this reality <laughs> to be true. And then you get what it is that you need. And then you can kind of lean into that more and more. And so it's interesting as these facts come to light and it will be more interesting um, as more and more comes to light to see how the Donald Trump base will respond to it. But we certainly are basically seeing what we already knew is true. Those of us, again, who subscribe to the reality with the facts. <laughs> so right. again, very interesting there. Now, moving on, uh, Dr. Fauci, this one was interesting. Dr. Fauci tests positive for COVID. Uh, Mike, let's start with you, brother. Oh, I have to, I have to go with what my wife said uh, when she heard the news. There's no hope. We're going to get it. You know, <laughs> you know when the top doctor, you know, uh, gets, uh, you know, the uh, COVID uh, pronouncement, you just think, well, there's no hope because you have to assume that he's done everything possible, yeah. you know, to to avoid it because he knows what to do. And thankfully, he did get his vaccination and boosters, I think both boosters. So he he did all the right things. What more can you do? Maybe it was at that one place where he uh, didn't wear a mask or someone he didn't know who was uh, probably already testing positive. You, d you really don't know those things. Yeah. There's a lot of unknowns about this. And the only thing we can hope and pray for that if any of us uh, were to contract it and uh, that we, you know, we go through the, uh, the motions of it like we do the flu or a bad cold and then we, re we recover. But I just... Um, it was a matter of time. I thought I thought there was a chance. Uh, the circles he he runs in are similar to those of uh, President Biden, who also had tested positive, or um, uh, Kamala Harris, who also had tested positive. So um, I, I'm not too surprised with the nature of his job, the contacts that he makes. Uh, I'm sure he's he's around a lot of a lot of people. He has to be in in his uh, line of work. So can't be too alarmed about someone in that uh, in those circles uh, that he travels in, that he would uh, contract the virus, but still the top disease, infectious disease expert with that title. Yeah, it, uh, it gives you a little bit of the chills. Mm. Well, you know what, Dr. Fauci, bless his heart. <laughs> He's 81 years old. I, I just have a, a human response to that. And I just say, oh, poor Fauci. Um, <laughs> I, I think that um, just like Mike, I'm going to piggyback what he said. I, I think that he probably very likely did everything he could um, to keep from getting COVID. But we also have to just look at these statistics. You know, as of the end of February, um, the CDC estimated that about almost 60 percent of the U.S. population has been infected with COVID. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you look at those numbers and you say 60%, you know, wow, that's almost two thirds. I mean, that that's a lot of people. So it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's such a shame. Um, I think like Mike said, he likely did everything he could not to get it. At last report, um, I heard that he was isolating at home, uh, experiencing mild symptoms, um, and that he had not had any recent contact with President Biden or any other kind of uh, high ranking government officials and things of that nature. So 
I just I think it's a shame that he got it, but hopefully he will be able to to recover. Um, as we all know, if there are underlying health conditions, um, you know that can complicate uh, a case of COVID. So hopefully he's getting all the care that he needs. Um, I I would have to trust and guess that he is with him being who he is, mm-hmm. and that he will have a full and speedy recovery. Uh, one thing that I think is important to say while we're having this conversation is that the deaths are way down. Uh, This is a direct response to the vaccine. Um, In other words, the vaccine works. Uh, And like Dr. Fauci, I was very fortunate in that I was early. Um, I was able to get vaccinated with the super seniors when the vaccine first rolled out which meant that I was able to get my second dose and be fully vaccinated um, very early on. Uh, The booster came out and then I got the booster as well. Uh, And then as it turned out, I ended up with COVID because my son brought it home from school and uh, we had it over the holidays. Mm -hmm. So we spent Christmas, just me and my little boy. So he couldn't see his mom or his grandma or anyone else. But we had a good time. And the best part about it was that there were no symptoms. So I could tell that he kind of had a little bit of a runny nose. So, you know, we did the test just to make sure, found out he had COVID. And I'm like, well, he's been with me. Let me give myself a test. Well, I have COVID. Set it out, waited it out. We had a ball. We ate. We watched TV. And it was um, the easiest sickness I ever had to deal with because it didn't even feel sick, had no symptoms whatsoever. And that also was a result of the vaccination and the booster. It's important to get the right information out there. I have friends my age, I'm 39 years old. I have friends my age who are no longer alive because of COVID. They they couldn't breathe. They couldn't get enough oxygen to their brain. I have friends, of course, certainly people who are older, two people who are younger, all of them are no longer breathing on this earth because they contracted COVID and weren't able to fight it off. Um, some of them that didn't even have pre-existing conditions, at least one with a condition that he did not know about. So um, my belief is that, uh, and this, of course, the science <laughs> is not a, a belief. The scientific verifiable fact is that um, this vaccine works. And for those who are still unvaccinated, obviously COVID is still out there. It has affected Dr. Fauci, but again, mild symptoms there. So uh, if you've been on the fence this long, um, but you're still on the fence, you know, we, we want to make sure that we say the right thing and we say it responsibly on this show. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings, that frustrating thing your mom does, or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash B-I-N. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby Award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Black Information Network news anchors, Nicole Deal and Mike Island are here with us discussing this week's major stories. All right, the Buffalo mass shooter is charged with a hate crime, and we know what this means. Nicole, let's start with you. Uh, (laughs) I have to just start with that scream, let off some of that steam. Um, Gosh, one of the things that I found so disturbing about it was that um, according to the criminal complaint um, in New York, the, his motive for the mass shooting was, quote, to prevent black people from replacing white people and to inspire others to commit similar attacks. So um, suffice it to say, he's been charged with 10 counts of hate crimes, um, uh, three of those involving bodily injury, attempt to kill, 10 counts of use of a firearm to commit murder, blah, blah, blah. And I'm 100% on board with this. I think he certainly deserves it. And um, hopefully we can get some type of legislation to get some of these guns off the street. Yeah, I, I'm somewhat encouraged, bouncing off what you said about uh, gun legislation, uh, the Republican support. I, I still can't understand how death became a uh, Democrat Republican thing, you know, from COVID to the mass shootings in schools to this uh, Buffalo uh, crisis. It, it what uh, is concerning me the most is the motive you mentioned 
and you quoted it, so you got it word for word, uh, Nicole. Um, so many people believe this, you know, that they're being replaced. And what concerns me is that things are opening back up now. We're going to have, you know, where I live, we're going to have fireworks on uh, July 1st to the 4th. We're going to have a jazz and rib festival. Uh, we've got a state fair going and all that. And you just, you just in the back of your mind, when you go to these events, I think there's going to be more people looking around and checking their surroundings. You almost have to. How could you not? And how could you not feel safe going to these events? But I'm not going to cower and no one else is. I don't think is you know, stay at home. You know, we're going to get out and do this and show that they uh, that we can't be downed like this. But that is going to be in the back of the my of my mind uh, for certain when I'm going to these festivals. Uh, that uh, shooter also uh, another uh, point about uh, what happened in Buffalo is that uh, I believe I read where he aimed his uh, uh, rifle at a white tops employee. That's mm-hmm. the name of the store tops. And uh, he was shot in the leg and injured. And he, uh, uh, he allegedly apologized to the victim before continuing. Oh, no, it's, the attack. it's not allegedly. No. It's on video. Oh, is, that, is that on video? It's on video. I have not yeah. seen the video. And, wow. and it's uh, hard to watch. Yeah. And you're really? absolutely right. He pointed the gun directly at him. The guy was on the floor. And, and of course, he was fearful or appeared to be fearful in the video. And he kind of put his hands up like, you know, I'm I'm scared. And you see the shooter just retreat with the rifle and, and like, keep going. He says, sorry. He, he lifted yeah. up his face and he's like, don't shoot or something like that. And then the guy's like, oh, sorry. And then he keeps going. Man. I haven't seen no video of that. I haven't been encouraged to watch. And then, of course, there's there's the thing about the gun and the markings written on the gun and the manifesto and him saying that he's not crazy. So I think hate crime, hate crime rather, is uh, perfect in terms of um, the uh, the 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 crimes that he's um, being charged with. So moving on, uh, let's let's end on a positive around here this weekend marks the start of the Juneteenth celebrations around the country. Mike, what you got for us? Well, I've uh, gone to two of them so far, and I'm going to a uh, the 25th annual Juneteenth Festival here. They've been going on for a while. It, they're bigger now because Juneteenth, uh, you know, of course, has been declared a holiday on many levels in uh, most states. But this has been going on. And uh, I think the old name for it in the area where I live was Homecoming. Okay. It was called a homecoming festival, but now it's uh, the Juneteenth festival. The uh, we have a uh, citywide drums for peace happening at the weekend festival. A group of uh, drum corps uh, uh, members are going to be uh, drumming for peace, and we're talking about not just world peace. We're talking about peace in our own communities, and I believe that is the focus of the uh, festival. It used to be just food, fun, and games, you know, and some some history. Uh, poetry and music involved. But I think this time, all the food, fun, games, and and things are going to happen, but there's going to be a message. And there's got to be a message about uh, gun violence in our own community, because that's where the festivals are going to be held, right there in the community where everything is happening. I'm going to be in a community about uh, uh, two blocks from uh, a shooting that happened uh, two days ago, and, and it's going to go on. And I'm going to be there and we're just going to, again, what I said before, the um, public events that's going to be in the back of our minds. And if anything, it's going to be on the Juneteenth Fest, a Juneteenth festival. I'm not sure what the attitudes are uh, on the right or 
uh, racially about Juneteenth being acknowledged in this way, but it may trigger uh, an adverse reaction from someone. So we just have to be, I don't want to be alarmist, but just be aware of your surroundings. And like I said, I'm thinking about that all the time. You know, Mike, I find it interesting that, that you brought up that point because I hadn't even thought about that at all. You know, I, I, I'm thinking Juneteenth and I'm getting excited and I know there's going to be a lot of food and fun and festivals and people outdoors and snow cones and, you know, whatever. Right. Um, and so it's interesting that you brought up that point because I literally had not thought about it. Now that you have brought it up, you know, I think I'll be a little more mindful, a little more conscious but I don't want that to impede, you know, my fun. I'm not going to allow oh, yeah, it have your fun. to impede my fun at all. And I just also want to kind of just throw out there. I think Juneteenth will, is, as we say, it's going to hit a little different this year because it's a federal holiday. For the first time in our nation's history, it's a federal holiday this year. And it's also hard for me to think about Juneteenth without thinking about Opal Lee, who is um, affectionately known as the grandmother of Juneteenth. She's 95 years old and she's the woman who is um, quite in a big way responsible for us getting this holiday because mm -hmm. she orchestrated getting a million and a half uh, signatures um, and, and basically petitioning for it. Um, she walks every year. She does does this uh, Opal's walk um, to talk about or, or just basically keep Black history and Juneteenth at the forefront of people's mind. Um, and she's relatable. You know, she's right here in Fort Worth um, and she has a she has a story. It, uh, she actually her family home uh, was torched by by a white mob in 1939. And so when she was like 12 years old, but she's relatable, she's a mom, she's a school teacher, she's a grandmother. Um, and I think it's hard to think about Juneteenth without thinking about her. I'm looking forward to all of the food that I'm yes. going to be. <laughs> Those big turkey legs and yes. snow cones and ice cream and funnel cakes and whatever else, you know, bring it on. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Black that. history and turkey legs. Yeah, you can't <laughs> beat that combination. Oh, and the dance, the culture, you know, all of the per percussion instruments and the choirs and everything. I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great, great, great weekend. All good. Yes. Wonderful. Well, well, thank you very much, both of you, for your insight. Uh, on these topics. Once again, our guests are Black Information Network news anchors, Nicole Deal and Mike Island. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I am your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective right here on the Black Information Network daily podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. 
That's betterhelp.com. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 